Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Before I introduce today's guest, the lap stackers are now shipping. Go and grab yours at adaptify.com slash lapstacker. If you enter the coupon code adaptifier, you'll get 10% off. Go to adaptify.com and check it all out. Today's adaptifier is Ivan Pizarro. Ivan is a New Yorker, and unfortunately, when he was 19, he was at a party and a gunman came into that party and started shooting randomly. Ivan was on the receiving end of one of those bullets that left him paralyzed from the waist down. I'm really interested to talk to Ivan about that journey to recovery and how he went from being a super athletic and fit young man to then transforming his life and remaining fit, active and healthy and for becoming a registered personal trainer. Ivan, thanks for joining me on the show today. No problem, man. No problem. Uh, I was honored, yeah, for the uh, recommendation from Richard. Uh, it's awesome. He's a great guy. And uh, and if he reckons you're someone worth talking to, then you certainly are. So, um, yep, awesome. Great to have you on the show, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, your childhood growing up. You're obviously in the United States right now, but, uh, you know, where did you grow up and what was your what was your upbringing like? So I grew up in a suburban area in New York. And um, I don't even know if you guys, uh, if you're familiar, but it's like a little small town I grew up in. Um, had a big family of um, four of us growing up in the house um, with two of my parents. And um, we were really into uh, sports, very active. So we just, um, we played basketball, soccer, football, things of that nature. Um, and just, um, we really spent a lot of time like uh, together growing up in the house. And just um, you know, so doing nice, things nice family stuff. life, yeah. Just like a like a kind of a pretty pretty happy family upbringing, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Same with me, man. It's it's lucky, you know. It's lucky that uh, we had a pretty stable household, and and uh, it gives you, you know, it gives us yeah, a real advantage in life. I think, um, you know, it not does. everyone, not everyone's so fortunate. So I'm I'm definitely very grateful for for that. It sounds like you you were too. Um, yeah. Tell us, did you have any like preconceived ideas of what life as a wheelchair user would be like at that point? Did you know anybody with a disability or, you know, did you have any ideas of what being someone with a spinal cord injury might mean? I had no idea. I didn't know anything about wheelchair users or what a spinal cord injury was. Um, everything was all new to me when I got injured. So if you saw somebody in a wheelchair, you know, growing up, what, what did you think when you saw them? I, um, I kind of kept my distance. Um, I, I didn't, I was a little scared, uh, to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't have any knowledge about it. Um, what yeah. that life was like. Yeah. Same, same here. I, I didn't really know anybody, uh, that, that used a wheelchair and, I did have a school teacher and her husband broke his neck while playing rugby. And I remember thinking, oh. 
man, that's, you know, you might as well not, not want to live, you know, might as well, you might, if that ever <laughs> yeah. happened to me, you might yeah. as well just, you know, help me roll off the edge of a wharf or something and into the water, you know, that that's was what I was thinking. So I kind of like, was a bit like you, I didn't really know what it, what it meant. So talk us through, talk us through what happened um, that day. Um, when I got my injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, 19 and, um, it was a community college, uh, party that, um, local one that I was invited to through a Facebook invitation. And, um, um, pretty much, uh, how it went down was that there was a, there was a kid in there that, um, was supposedly bullied. I still don't know if that's a hundred percent true till this day, but um, it was in a pretty uh, dangerous um, city or town. It was a uh, Newburgh. It's a very uh, small part that uh, many aren't familiar with outside of New York, but uh, it's one of the most dangerous cities. And um, yeah, so this kid was jumped and um, he went into that party with uh um looking for those guys that had jumped him and then he left um and then came back in with a gun and um no nobody knew anything it was just like um it, it was inside that's the thing about it you, you wouldn't expect that mm. and um so he came in with that gun and uh looking looking to shoot those kids um was just uh, shooting randomly and just started firing everywhere. And uh, the last thing I remember was just everybody trying to run, get out of that room. And um, cause there was only one way exit. That's what made it so dangerous. So many kids and just um, everybody just trying to get out in one same exit. And I remember uh, getting really close to the door uh, on my way out and that's when um the uh that's when I was shot. And um the feeling I remember was just um my legs just they just gave out. I completely lost feeling. I um and my stomach hurt. That's like uh that's when I knew um something had happened. And next thing I remember is um me actually literally crawling out of there with my hands, uh, walking with my arms, trying to get out of that building. And I had my hand out, uh, extending for uh, help, but, um, people were just so scared. Like, um, they wanted to help, but at the same time, just that fear took over and they just didn't know what to do, but just keep running. And, uh, luckily, uh, an acquaintance of mine, uh, had extended his, um, uh, arm out and I latched onto his arm and uh, pretty much dragged me by my arm out of the building, him and a couple of other people. And luckily the hospital was um, right down the corner and um, I was able to get there like from my car. They, they took my car. I had given them the keys and um, needed emergency surgery right away. So I, I was very fortunate for that whole um, situation of, you know, turning out the way it did. 
you could have easily been shot somewhere else, right? You could have been shot in the head or shot in the chest yeah. or. Yeah. I, I always, I always think about that. Um, if it was just like a matter of inches up, like um, life would have been completely different. Um, I, I can't imagine not having the use of my core or just not even the use of my arms. Mm. It was like what a quadriplegic or hired um, paraplegic goes through. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, that must have been a really, really terrifying experience, eh? And you must have been thinking, what the heck's going on? Were, were there any fatalities? Was anybody killed? Yes, there were uh, two girls that were shot in the head. Um, and, uh, they, yeah, they didn't even make it past high school. Uh, one was in her senior year. And I think the other one may have been actually in college. And... Um, the others who were injured, uh, I think there was five others injured. Well, five, including myself. I was the most seriously injured out of um, the rest of the um, other people who survived. Um, I, I don't know the story with that and like their injuries, but um, that's that's what I remember from that night. I'm sorry, man. Thank, thanks for having the courage to share that. It must be... Uh... It must be pretty hard to recall that. Um, and how many years ago was that now? That was um, three and a half uh, going on for uh, October 2016. So that's really pretty fresh. That's pretty, that's pretty recent times. You know, I've, I've spoken to some recent, people yeah. that hadn't been injured 20 years ago or more, 30 years. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Three and a half, four years ago. Yeah, I mean, you're, Take my head off to you, man. You're brave for uh, speaking out about this right now. It's um, yeah, it's tricky, tricky times. So, uh, you you made it to the hospital. What what was what was some of the earliest thoughts you had? What was what were running what was running through your mind? Um, just guilt that like um, I don't. Uh, what it was was um, just like what what's going on. I just uh, I had a lot of uh, just thoughts on like um, what just happened, and um, you know I probably shouldn't have gone to that party um, because it was just a dangerous area, dangerous city, mm. and just um, that guilt of just not listening to my instinct, just um, decided mm. not to go, and um, just a lot of confusion and just uh, not knowing. Um, if I'll, um, you know, if I'll live that night, I actually uh, um, just was struggling to breathe. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just it, it was um, a lot of panic going on. Just not clear thoughts going on, just my mind racing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I understand that really well, man. I, I, I had horrible, horrible nightmares the first, the first night after my injury. And, um, you know, and I don't think it was nearly as complicated as you in that, you know, I wasn't shot. You know, so there's a terror of being attacked on top of the reality of the severity of your injury. It must have been, it must have been really overwhelming. And uh, you can imagine it was hard to, hard to cope with. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say it's all terrifying anywhere you're injured. I mean, because it's just, you don't feel like that, um, that body part, 
Like, it's just like when your legs give out, it's just like what happened. It, it actually felt like uh, my legs were floating. Mm. That's, that's what I distinctly uh, remember and would never forget. It's just that feeling. So what are the doctors, what does the doctors tell you? What, what do they talk to you about? Uh, so the next day, meeting. yeah, the next the next day. What what were some of the early things that they they told you that you know about your injury and about your recovery? Well, I wasn't getting clear answers on whether I would walk again. Um, the, uh, one doctor I remember saying was that um, was the injury level. And that I would probably not have a feeling from the knees down, um, which I would say he was pretty accurate about. Um, it's just really strange in how the recovery happens and where you get the feeling and the movement. And um, I didn't, I didn't really understand the language uh, they were saying and like um, what the injury really meant at the time. Um, the, the injury, what it, what I had done was, um, intestinal, intestinal damage. So, uh, it was a small and large, um, intestine that had, um, been affected and, um, then a severe nerve damage. Yeah, for sure. And so to your lower thoracic, uh, low, sorry, your lumbar, your L2, L3. Is that L2, right? L3, yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean now for you? What what sort of lasting effects do you live with? Um uh, definitely the bowel and the bladder, I could say, um, and um uh, neuropathic pain. So those are those are the three that I, I really find uh to be challenging. Um but over time you kind of like you kind of learn your body just as as you go on. That's the that's the thing with the spinal cord injury, and um, so yeah, those were the the three main things that were affected from that level of injury. Yeah, how about your mobility? What was uh, what was affected that way? Uh, so initially, I had zero mobility from the waist down, but um, I had started gaining a little movement on my right side. That was the uh, the right quad and hips were what uh, came early on, uh, a few months down. And uh, yeah, it, it was a back brace. I um, had ended up having to wear for over six months, I believe, um, because of the um, the um, it was the. Uh, small bone fragments that lie right outside of the spinal cord column itself that had been fractured. So that had to heal and recover. And that's what made it so hard in the beginning was uh, doing the transfers and um, things that, of that stuff. Yeah, totally. I remember not being able to even sit up. That was, that was, you know, but it, it comes back slowly slowly you get more strength and you, you figure things out going into this. Um, so, so just to recap, you're mm-hmm. like about 18, 19, something like that. 
Was it? it uh, I was 19. Actually, uh, I was 19, but on the verge of my 20th birthday. My okay. birthday was literally two days after that accident. Okay, not such a good way to spend your birthday. But I suppose you're thankful you're alive on your birthday, right? That's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 43, and, and every year is a good year, man. I'm, I'm happy to be still breathing. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what aspirations did you have at that time in your life? What, um, you know, presumably you'd, you'd finish high school, and, and uh, you know, what was, your, what was the course that you had set for yourself? Uh, definitely, uh, just the personal training, um, in that time I wasn't really, um, I didn't have a clear, clear direction in where I was heading. And, um, that's more of so of the blessing I see with this injury is that it's, uh, giving me more purpose. But at that time, um, I didn't really know where I was heading, um, career wise, um, but uh, I was just continuing college, just yeah. uh, trying to do well in that. So what were you studying in college? Were you, were you studying physical education or something like that? Uh, exercise science and wellness. Okay, nice. Um, and so what were some of the challenges you faced once you, once you left uh, you know, rehab and hospital? What were some of the things that you, you struggled with? When you, do you remember that day that you, you sort of got discharged from the hospital? What was that like? Yes. Yes. That, um, I, I feel like they kind of just like, you know, just left you on your own. Um, it just felt so sudden. Um, I, I wasn't ready for it initially. Uh, that, that was really hard sleeping at night. Um, because I thought I needed this and that from, uh, the hospital. Uh, you felt more secure in that situation. And like, uh, I wasn't ready to go back home initially in that stage. That was a, a tough part. What were some of the fears you had at that time? Was, were, there, were there any particular fears that you had? Um, what was the, with the medication, I don't know which one to take, where and when, because I was just on a, a bunch of medication uh, early on in the, in the beginning. What for? Um, well, it was a medication for like, uh, anxiety, um, mood, um, play, uh, for, uh, regulating your mood. Yeah. Um, bowel medications, um, uh, for the nerve, uh, nerve pain. And then, um, I think it was a, a spasm one, but, um, a lot of those medications over time just ended up being like, it, it was just, there was no need for it. Yeah, wow. I um I tried as hard as I could to wean myself off all the medications they were giving me. You know, like yes, quite strong uh, opiate based painkillers and you know things like that. And sure, they have their place, but uh, as soon as I could get off them, I, I did. And uh, all of a sudden, my mind got clearer, and I started to you know find myself again. You know. It's Quite quite hard when you're taking all these pills that alter your mood. That I experienced too was um, oxycodone, uh, real based, uh, heavy based uh, opioid. Mm. That uh, that's something I used uh, to cope with uh, early on in those months when I did get home. That, yeah, right. Um, and what yeah. was your experience with that? Um, 
oxycodone i mean that was uh it was hard getting off of if it helped with the pain um initially i thought um if i just took the oxycodone then i'm set i i could um you know do it do anything i need to do to uh get my through my day um but the getting off of it was um that was just um very mentally challenging and emotionally and just that that was probably the tough that was more tougher than the uh actual injury um actually getting the injury it was pretty close in that wow yeah so how did you do it man how did you how did you get off it because some people can get addicted to that for years and years and years and it can ruin their life so how what what made you decide to get off of that i'm gonna be honest i had the help of my older brother and uh my mother who had helped me get off of um get off of that medication because um Initially, she had hit it up. She had placed it upstairs in the house where it was hard for me to get easy access to it. Hmm. That's that's what really um, <laughs> that forced me to. Yeah, pretty much. Just you had to no get choice. Medication. I had no choice. So they obviously saw that the, the effects it was having on you and and knew yeah. that you knew that you had to get off it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wasn't the same person as uh, when I got off of it with that withdrawal. Yeah, well, yeah, that's pretty hardcore. I, I personally think that doctors prescribe that too easily, and uh, yeah, you know, I know, I know that there's a, you know, supposedly there's an epidemic of uh, opiate use in in your country and and many others too. Um, same with the prescription of uh, you know mood altering um, drugs for anxiety, depression, those sort of things. And yes, I think they're too easily distributed. I think they're too easy to get hold of. And um, there are there are alternate methods, you know, um, for pain management and, and anxiety and depression. So, yeah, I, I don't know why those are like the go to for dealing with um, and the anxiety and the depression and the pain. I mean, yeah, it's too easy, like you said. Um, from like my doctor, I was easily able to just call her and just have the prescription ready. Mm. And well, there's, that, some ph- yeah, that easy. there's some pharmaceutical companies that are making a lot of money off these things. So they, they, of course, they want to make it easy for people to get hold of. Um, that's, that's uh, probably got something to do with it. Um, but also as a, you know, as a doctor, you want to be able to provide relief to your patient. And if that's a quick and easy way to do so, then, you know, that's, that's a, that's what they're going to do. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think I think there's a time and a place for it, and I, and I think every individual has to also understand what's going to work for them and and weigh up the the pros and cons, and that you know just be really aware of the side effects and the potential dangers of uh, of taking these uh, these drugs uh, for sure. Um, you know, there's no substitute for um, like having a, a good goal in life and and being uh, active and. Um, having, course, some, yeah. ha- having some purpose in your life, right? And, and the amount yeah. of people I've I've talked to that have said that that helps them forget about the pain. You know, it disappears. Their pain disappears once they're doing something that they love doing. Uh, it's no different for someone with uh, you know a spinal cord injury or other other um, you know pain related injury. 
So tell us about your personal training. What, um, how did you, how did that progress and how did you end up uh, uh, doing that? Well, as of right now, I am in the process of renewing my certification actually because it had recently just expired, but um, I started that route um, taking a couple classes um, in the exercise science field and um, just uh, with um, just, yeah, through my school and just like bodybuilding because um, I was really into working out early on. And um, so through the gym, I, that's where my interest for personal training grew. And that's when I took the classes um, to get more knowledge. And then um, I, I just started from there. So, you know, I see on your Instagram page, you, you've got a wheelchair there. You, you Presumably you use a wheelchair some of the time and, uh, and, and maybe a, a walking frame as well, some other, other parts of the time. Or um, what, what um, just, just describe to me what that means in your, um, in your fitness career. Is that, uh, is that something that's common? Did, are, there, are there other personal fitness trainers that are, that are you know, um, wheelchair users that you know of, or is this kind of something that's quite unique? Um, I mean, I know there are, there are out, I've seen through social media, um, but um, I haven't seen in everyday life. Um, any like a uh, wheelchair personal trainers and um, yeah, to me, it's, uh, it's pretty unique. What do people, it, what um, do people say to you or what, what, do, what do people, how do people, um, how do people treat you when they see you as a, as a wheelchair user, uh, as you know, as a certified personal trainer? Um, and then, well, I do have people that ask me a lot of questions. That's how it normally starts. Um, but um, at the same time, uh, I guess they don't. Um, it's uh, I don't really know what they're thinking. Um, but I, I, I do get questions asked a lot of the time. And I'm assuming that, I mean, if they're asking those questions, that I must know what I'm talking about. Hmm. That's cool. So you're yeah. saying that they'll ask you fitness related questions like, yeah. And uh, so how does, um, you know, obviously with COVID-19 and restrictions on gym access and things like that, how's, how's that affected, you know, your, your ability to work? Uh, yes, that, that actually, um, I, I do miss the gyms being open and all that stuff, stuff like that. Um, it, I just were, I was just doing home workouts, uh, throughout this whole quarantine. Just, um, because, um, because being a wheelchair user, it's like, uh, you're very limited in like the certain amount of, uh, body weight exercises you could do. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what adds the other challenge to it. And just, um, the mental part of just like, um, you know, get, getting through your day with the gym as like uh, something to look forward to. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I get it. But a social interaction, eh? And uh, yeah, having the facilities there too, I suppose that helps. Yeah, exactly. You actually, you said it, the social aspect of it, that alone is a big part of it. 
So is it hard to, you know, being a, is it difficult being a personal trainer from a wheelchair? Like, have you had to adapt or modify any equipment or routines? How do you assist your clients when you're a wheelchair user? Well, because I personally trained uh, at my college, um, normally like I would grab out like just like a YouTube video. And like, if I was trying to demonstrate an exercise to my client, I would um, pull out a YouTube video. If, um, mm. if I wasn't able to connect, I mean, cause without the use of your legs, it's, uh, it could be pretty challenging. Um, you know, uh, demonstrate, obviously demonstrating some of the exercises or I'll just have like a nearby per, uh, nearby person to help me out. Mm. So I had that for access. But uh, normally, most of the time, if um, I wasn't connecting with my client on an exercise, I would I would always pull out that YouTube video. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so obviously to, sh- to show a, a, a leg exercise that you weren't able to demonstrate, you used YouTube videos. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because um, it's easier with a visual demonstration, and when you when you can't, um, as opposed to just directly saying word for word what to do. Yeah, I got it. Was there any moments in your recovery, you know, or post-injury where you were more focused on the things you couldn't do? Were there any really dark moments where you were just really not in a good headspace? And if so, how did you get through that? Um, I'd say the, the dark space was... Um, like the pain I had mentioned earlier, um, that and just not being able to walk again, just, um, you know, very overhearing like people, uh, doctors and actually my, an, another doctor had mentioned that, or not mentioned, but she had told me that I may never walk again. And that just, that statement, uh, replaying in my head over and over again, that, um, I would say that that was really challenging. Just the the combination with the uh, bowel too, um, managing all that at once. And, how did you um, how did you get through that? Yeah, so time time helped a lot, and just um, really learning my body, like observing, uh, just what helped me um, alleviate some of the pain. I noticed exercising and uh, good nutrition, ha- nutritional habits really uh, helped with that um, surprisingly more than I had expected. And just, so, uh, so, so when yeah. you say good nutritional habits, what, what do you, what do you mean by that? And can you give some examples? Well, even for instance, I noticed like if I go to uh, um, too high in carbohydrates, um, uh, my pain is my pain goes up a little bit, hmm. and um, usually, like the olive oil, uh, fish, vegetables, fruits, it makes you just uh, it makes you feel better. And um, how I alleviate the pain was um, with positive emotions, and just surrounding myself with that, and that helps me kind of over you know forget about the pain. And it helps with my uh, bowels and uh, just sticking onto a routine. 
Yeah, so you mean sort of like a diet routine in, in well, in bowel routine. Oh, bowel routine, on. just sticking to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I'd be curious to know what works for you in terms of your routine. But for me, uh, for example, the doctor said, well, you should go every two days. Uh, and I was like, well, man, I used to go twice a day or, you know, at least twice a day. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. And so I tried that. And then, man, I got backed up. I got blocked up. And then I'd have accidents and it was no good. So yeah. I started experimenting with different routines different times of the day and now i go once in the morning every morning and that's that's it i'm i'm good to go um, mm-hmm. did you have a similar experience where you just had to discover what worked for you exactly what you had said with the experimenting um and initially in the beginning i would get backed up a lot and not be able to go and just have uh, accidents if i you know took like um medication for it Mm. It's uh, better to keep it regulated. I have found like going normally every day, like um, actually in every morning, every morning, like um, that's what I find helps for me. Yeah. So yeah. for those of you listening that don't understand what we're talking about in terms of our bowel management, if you could imagine you, you essentially for me anyway, and for many others, you, you can't, you don't know when you need to go. So you can't actually feel any sensation or, or not as what it was. And so you also, in some cases, you, you have no real control over, um, you know, voiding your bowel. So, you know, beforehand you used to maybe just sort of squeeze it. It would just happen naturally, right? You'd, you'd, you wouldn't even really have to think about it. You'd just be able to go and you could feel the, exactly. you could feel the yeah. bowel moving and everything's cool. But for, for people with spinal cord injury, you just don't know. And so you know, some people have spasm when their bowel is full. You know, there are other little telltale signs, but, uh, you know, some have none at all. I, I have very little at all. And so uh, I can't I can't void on my own. Uh, I mean, when I say I can't void on my own, I can't void using, you know, um, the muscles um, of my of my rectum, right? So, you know, there's various methods. You, you might have to use uh, stimulation using your fingers and a glove. You may use suppositories. So there's different methods that you can use to um, to go to the, to the toilet to, to empty your bowel. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that can be quite anxiety-inducing. You know, you don't, you don't want to have an accident when you're out in public. And it's happened to us all, yeah. right? Um, uh, yeah, so, so if, once you get on top of that, uh, life's good again, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, once you, once, the, that, yeah, once you figure it out, uh, eh? Yeah, um, that's like that's just like a whole like that could mess with your mood and your whole mental state is when you have to like your whole day is surrounded just by that, just like um, how you use the bathroom, like uh, how am I gonna control this? Yeah, anxiety. You've got to think about it so much. I mean, it's the same with yeah. Same with for me for for urinating, you know, like I've I'm constantly thinking, do I need to go? Where's the nearest toilet? You know, am I full? You know, it takes a lot of energy and uh, you know a lot of thought power essentially just to to think about this these things and and even even now I'm talking to you on the thing I'm thinking, oh, when did I last go? You know, hopefully, mm. hopefully I'm not going to you know wet my pants while I'm talking, you know, and it's yeah, it's, it's kind of the reality. It's one of these things you learn is part of a spinal cord injury and, and 
it's it's hardcore, eh? It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard stuff to to cope with initially until you get a bit of a routine and you get stuff sorted out. Yeah, it's it's like all experimenting, like you said, and just uh, it takes time. Like I I would say that's the biggest um, part about it, just allowing it to take time and really being observant. Mm. Hey, Ivan, there's quite a lot of news at the moment around Black Lives Matter and around prejudice to, you know, especially in our community with disabilities and people, um, you know, really uh, not being included and accessibility. What's been your experience with, uh, with, with any of those things? Um, so I haven't had any, like, um, I didn't go out on any of the riots or stuff like that. Um, I didn't participate in any of that. Um, I would imagine it's pretty, it's even more tougher, um, being disabled and, um, being an African-American as well, that, um, I'll say that could add more of a challenge. I um I would never had any uh, real troubles with that. Um, in in terms of the um, Black Lives Matter, and just I, I never really, yeah, had any sort of trouble with that. Do you what what do you what do you boil that down to? You, you seem to me like a, a very sort of positive um, a positive guy that that looks at the upside to to everything. Um, do you think that's? Do you think what you project into the world is is what you what you get back, um, or is it just that the, the you know certain things like um, you know maybe being uh, judged for being disabled or or a black uh, black African American? Do you do you just do they just wash over you? Are you not so sensitive to that? Have you have you had experiences where people have, you know, uh, you know, not allowed you access to certain things, or has there been any cases like that where you know you've felt you've felt the prejudice against you? Actually, not in terms of my race or like skin color, but um, I had with the disability with uh, my gym actually the gym I used to go to it was a gold's gym. I initially could not get in. Uh, there was no side entrance or ramp or just uh, any flat level ground to get into the gym. Mm. And there was a whole um, dispute with um, my um, my dad and my recreational therapist from my rehabilitation hospital who was uh, helping me set up getting it back into the gym. And uh, with one of the uh, employees there at the gym, um, it was just a really big dispute, and uh, we had a call the ADA to um, get that resolved. And as soon as that happened, um, shortly after that, that's when the doors and to the gym started to open up. There was a side door I could easily get into. Wow! It was just so. What is what is the ADA for the, for those listening? What what is that, and what rights do you have to engage with them? So the American uh, Disability Act, and um, what rights you had said? 
Yeah, so can you say you called them up? Like, can anybody with a disability call them up and and ask them to to assist you, or yeah. how does it work? So yeah, you can call them up. I, I had references actually. I didn't know I didn't know about the ADA initially. I had um, talked to other wheelchair users, and they had recommended it. Hmm. And so I had called them up. It was um, I had explained the situation to them. And uh, they took care of uh, things really quickly and were just really active on that. Wow. So was it a case of Gold's Gym just not knowing the, the, you know, so did the ADA say to them, listen, you guys, you've got to provide access, and they they sort of had to do it? Is that how it works? Or, um, you know, what, what does that mean? That I do not know for sure. I, they had to comply. I mean, because as soon as that call, that as soon as that call was made, um, that's when uh, my gym. That's when they had the door open, like quickly after that. Because before that call, there was literally no way of me getting into the gym. There was uh, just like two steps and um, a rail, and no like ramp. Well, it's it's cool that you your uh, your your team followed up and and opened that up for you and and for those that that want to join afterwards, right? That's cool. Yes, yes, because um, that was a big part of like my um, or just me recovering throughout this injury is the gym and like um, getting access to it. Do you and, remember um, your first time going into the gym? You know, with your wheelchair, what did that feel like? Actually, I had started at Planet Fitness with my dad, and um, that was a very, um, it was almost intimidating um, at first, getting into a, the gym with the wheelchair, because uh, just, you just feel people just uh, staring, staring at you, and you just, even if you're not looking, you just, you could just tell, like, uh, you know, the eyes um, staring at you. and. Um, but I, I jumped into it pretty quickly, um, getting back into the gym. Uh, none of that really mattered once I actually started uh, hitting the weights and uh, lift, lifting. Yeah, well, I, I can see you've, you got some guns on you, man. You're, you're a solid dude. And, thank uh, you, man. Thank you. You know, so I, I suppose, you know, gym culture, I, I don't know gym culture uh, that well. I went to the gym when I was in my teens and in early twenties, but uh, but I imagine that you know there's this camaraderie where you know you're lifting and people are going to be cheering you on to 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 push it and um, yeah they're going to be pretty encouraging I imagine yeah that's that's what encouraged me to keep going was uh, the camaraderie like you had said and uh, just people saying you were an inspiration that um, just seeing you work out as an inspiration. So I, I got that a lot as I started to work out more. And oh, that's, that's cool. That's what kept me going, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So if you're listening and you're contemplating going to the gym as a wheelchair user, get into it. You'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be good once you get get there and get started, I'm sure. You know, no doubt there'll be a, a certified personal trainer, just like Ivan. And if you're in the um, Arizona area, where are you? Whereabouts are you, Phoenix or? Um, Phoenix, yep. So if you're in Phoenix, look up look up Ivan, and, uh, and I'm sure he'll he'll uh, put you put you through your paces and, and help you uh, get set up. 
Ivan, what does what the future hold for you, man? What are you looking forward to in the, in the years to come? Uh, well, I had just uh, recently graduated, uh, got my bachelor's degree. And uh, right now, um, what I'm looking into is uh, peer mentoring um, at uh, rehabilitation hospitals, continuing with the personal training and um, kind of just see where it goes from there. But um, any opportunity I get to advance, I'll, I'll take it immediately. Hey, congratulations on graduating, man. That's a huge achievement. Thank you. Well done. And uh, yeah, I think any rehabilitation hospital will be uh, be um, uh, very fortunate to have you on their, on their team. So uh, well done. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about dating. I'm curious to know, how's that been for you? Um, pretty much the same, you know, before, as like before the injury, <laughs> obviously, um, that was, that was actually another tough part too. When, um, I was initially injured was, uh, will I be able to date? Uh, how is that, how is that going to work? Um, just, yeah, the anxiety around that it's, um, uh, like, well, like I have a bowel or a bladder accident. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about that with the date? Like, do you, do you talk about it? Are they, they as curious as, as I think they will be? Um, I mean, unless they ask about it, I don't <laughs> volunteer it straight up front, but like if they <laughs> ask about it, I will explain it to them. Yeah. What, um, what's, what's some dating tips for, for the wheelchair users out there listening that are, that are single and, and, are, and are contemplating dating? What would you say? I'll say confidence is really key because um, confidence with that, uh, people don't even pay attention to the disability. They just, um, they see your confidence and they completely overlook the disability part. Mm. And yeah, so I would just say that confidence is really key. I guess the, the, the question that follows up from that is like, if you're not confident, how do you get confident? That that comes just from taking action and uh, challenging yourself. I would say, mm. like that, that's not something that just magically comes from within. That you have to actually work for. Is it stepping out of your comfort zone and taking some chances? And uh, yes, I mean essentially gaining experience, right? And with new with new experiences, even the even the process of dating is can be it's an can be frightening at the best of times, um, let alone with a wheelchair. But the more you do, the the better you get at it, right? The more confident you'll become. Of course, of course, just like anything else. So yeah, just uh, get amongst it. Get amongst it, people, if you're listening and and contemplating that. Oh, well, it's been uh, been amazing uh, chatting with you, Ivan. Um, where can people find out more about you and connect with you online? Uh, so I'm really active on uh, my Instagram. Uh, so it is I am underscore Ivan the Great, all lowercase. So uh, you can find me there. Uh, it's awesome. Well, I'll put a link in your uh, your profile on our website. And uh, when the world opens up again, uh, I hope our paths cross. I, I've been to Arizona a few times, and uh, really, no doubt I'll be there. Uh, be there again at some point in the future. And I'd love to connect so you can uh, put me through my paces at the gym. I'm actually contemplating joining the gym again. So, um, so yeah, in readiness for our, uh, for our meeting, I'll, uh, I'll get some fitness on. I'd love to meet you, Mike. 
Awesome, yeah. man. Well, um, thanks again for joining me and uh, for sharing your, your tips and, and your story. And uh, yeah, feel honored. So thanks very much. No problem, man. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.